You're listening to the Educated Athlete Podcast, a show dedicated to empowering athletes and practitioners to perform at their best through education. I'm Coach T, and I'm an exercise physiologist. If you want to elevate your game, take your fitness and sport performance to the next level, or become a better coach, this is the podcast for you. Let's learn. Dope, dude. All right, all right. My dude, Will Collins, in the building. Bro, it is stoked. I'm just stoked to have you, honestly. Like, you are the speed guy honestly you are that guy yeah appreciate it man glad to be here man thanks for having me of course let's go so will collins out of fast you can you go ahead and just enlighten us with your background what you're into what you're up to on a day-to-day basis man yeah so on a day-to-day basis uh basically i'm a coach i work with speed biomechanics also i do strength training as well um we also work with uh, a lot of athletes internationally and, and nationally uh via virtually uh i also do a lot of like consulting for college coaches do okay. a lot of things man doing a whole yeah. lot of things the so, speed guy uh, let's go yeah yeah so anything dealing with getting faster that's what i'm doing Represent. but i think yep. the, yeah the main thing that i, I think uh, my focus is would be like speed and biomechanics i work with a lot of elite youth elite collegiate and some pros so that's, right. that's pretty much where i'm at Incredible, man. And you just had most of your squad, you said, just medal that state. You put up a couple of fastest times ever, as well as fastest times in the nation. That's incredible, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God has been good. Those athletes really work hard. And like I said, to have a good year like we're having is just a testament to their commitment to their work, you know? Right. Yeah. Hard work mm-hmm. pays off, man. I love it. Always. Well, always. as we get into this, man, is, is the emphasis of this podcast, educated athlete podcast, right? Like, as a collegiate football player myself, there's so many things about speed I wish I would have known. So many things mm-hmm. about technique, mechanics, biomechanics, development, and so on, that I was just doing flat out wrong, flat out wrong. Yeah. And looking back now, you know, getting my PhD and looking at these things like, oh, okay, I get it. So I want to hear from you. What is speed? How do you define speed? How do you develop speed? And so on. Like, what's your coaching philosophy with your approach on speed? I mean, first of all, speed is relative. So speed is very much depending on what has to occur in what your sport is and what type of speed that you more or less need precisely, I guess you could say. Um, right. But speed in general is getting from one, one distance to another distance in a certain amount of time. That's basically what speed is, right? right? So um, I think the key, my, my training philosophy on speed is pretty basic. I think most athletes need to know how to push and generate the momentum and then learn how to accelerate the momentum and then learn how to maintain the momentum. That's pretty the simple way of describing speed. Yeah, super simple. I love that because it breaks down acceleration mechanics, transitional mechanics, and top end speed mechanics all Mm -hmm. in one simple digestible concept for your athletes. Yeah, Yeah. no, that's dope. Um, So getting into that, to take a little deeper dive with that, you talk a lot about biomechanics. I mean, you are a world-class biomechanist yourself on the practical and applied level, right? So yeah. we can talk about stride frequency, stride length, ground contact time, flight time, all, all these things. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear from you and your coaching. Sorry, my uh, gardeners are getting after it here in the That's background. Cool. <laughs> these guys come through. Our uh, mango tree is fruiting. A mango tree is popping off. So, so you live in you live in that you live in that life though over there. In Dude, that I life I got the avocado. I'd rather tree, be sitting. I'd rather mangoes. be sitting next to you doing this, like eating yeah. mangoes and talking <laughs> to you. Under you know the I mean? banana tree. Yeah, we yeah, could have been doing it like that. Off. <laughs> you should you should you, you should switch these shows to the to that location yeah yeah okay 100 percent retreat I swear. come out for <laughs> yeah. a week 
we'll talk riff everything speed yeah. but anyways all things kinematics right so i was thinking like we have ground contact time flight time so puts in contact with the ground stance phase you also mm -hmm. have flight time nothing's in contact with the ground right and i was thinking about the best way to coach and cue an athlete is how do you how do you interact with their ability to strike the ground because when you're in the air you can't really do anything to run faster you can't move faster so coaching and cueing in theory should be focusing on the ground contact time, right? Do you, do you uh, preach that in your, in your scope of practice when you're coaching and cueing with your athletes? I mean, if we talk about ground contact time, I'm gonna be honest with you, with most of my athletes, that is not even a, a concern in, the, in, in a certain level. Until we get to the professional level, I guess, or more the elite collegiate level, that's right. when it becomes very, very finite and very, very specific. Makes sense. And, and, then, and, and then science becomes a very, very stronger aid at that moment because you're dealing with fine-tuned individuals who are very consistent. But right. when you're talking about developmental athletes, I think it's more about keeping it simple to where you can have the most effective amount of training while applying the most consistent amount of movement pattern that's correct. That's right. what I believe in myself. So okay. I, I try to be I try to be as efficient as I can, as effective as I can. But with that being said, when you describe contact time, so what I would say instead of just telling them about contact time, what I would say is that in your push, you would you would feel the ground more, you'll feel the ground longer because you need right. more time to push. And I do an analogy of of um, I see you trying to do this to me, but mm -hmm. I'm asking you to do this to me, push me, and I'll actually push them. So right. they'll actually feel what it is to push through something. It's Got similar it. like if you're coming off the blocks. If you have an athlete that pops off the front of the block, that usually has to do with the way that they're sweeping their arms and how they're focused on applying their force. So it's, it's, it's a concept right. that they have to understand how they have to, whenever they're going into their, uh, when they're uh, actually projecting out, how do I go about projecting? Is it all at once? Or is it progressively? You know what I mean? So, right. and also this has to do with kinematics as well. Keeping your arm, keeping your hand lower to the ground and keeping them lower automatically allows your body and limbs to articulate in a fashion to where your foot is in the, the front pad longer. So you can allow that weight to be shifted to the front to be able to push and project with your hips directly. Right. That so it's a lot. Yeah, go ahead. Optimize the acceleration angle too. Arms are lower, center, yeah, center yeah. of mass, forward, trajectories on point. Everything's working for you. So physics is working for you. So now you have, right. and then you also have more control as an athlete. So I'm thinking from the athlete standpoint, of course, we know the science. Right. So me and you talking and we're geeking out, you know, we're loving it. It's looking good. It's like the numbers are hitting. But at right. the end of the day, if they feel it, that's what we want. Right. That aha yeah. moment is what we search for as coaches, right? That aha, that yeah. click. I it feel clicks, it. Like, it ah. Yeah. Do you oh, feel it? As long as if it might yes. click, and I I did it with you, I made right. it happen with you. But did you feel like that's something you can do, and you did that? And it was like, right. yeah, can I did you repeat that. it? Yeah, and that's I did it. that. And then we're good. We're cool. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. No, I like that for sure. So with with kinematics, then uh, the focus really is. It seems like, like what what is your approach on kinematics with athletes? Like, how much are you talking stride frequency, stride length? Like, because that is definition of speed, right? I mean, you talk distance and x time but then you break it down to running kinematics stride frequency time strength stride length is your speed like how yeah. important is it for an athlete to be educated and knowing that simple concept and to think about improving frequency improving cadence and so on 
So I think it's extremely important. And some of the measures that we've implemented inside of our program is, for one, we do a video analysis after we get done with our practice. So okay. I'll give you an example. If there's a certain type of cueing or something that I'm trying to implement, like recently we were having issues with our athletes not accelerating at the right, you know, in the right places and not okay. using not using the science to work with them. Basically, they were waiting for their bodies to transition, then they were accelerating when they should have okay. been they should have been accelerating through their transition. Right. That, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so it allows their bodies to transition and pull them into the race a bit more. So, you know, I'm conveying this to them, but it's not it's not happening. I put cones down. Um, hell, I put tape down. I mean, I've done everything. Okay. So right. I talked I talk to them. I go, hey, right now. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I do yeah. all these things, you know, whatever right. it takes, but it's, it's not happening. So okay. what I found out was when I got into the to the video room, I was able to tell him in the video room and say, you see this and you see me ah. and, and I'm telling you at this moment. And they're like, wow, this is terrible, coach. I would be mad at me for not knowing <laughs> that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how they're like, okay, okay, you ain't got to say it tomorrow. I got it because this looks stupid. And we're going to look at this again tomorrow. And then if I keep looking yeah. like this, I get it. So it's right. more real for these kids when they get to see it. And I, I call them kids. They'd be pros. So I got NFL guys and, yeah, you know, yeah. all kind of people. But these people who are learning this, this running and technique and all the kinematics, it's really beneficial for them to have at least a, a solid foundation of understanding the science. I don't ever want to be convoluted and over, overdo it by giving them too much data. And I just want to have a good, strong macro principle understanding. Like if I say this is happening, then that's happening and you understand why. Or right. so we can start to converse in the same lingo. Like in right. our practice, we know everybody will understand what ankles up mean, which is dorsiflexion. Everybody right. will know what hips in front mean, which is having a neutral pelvic tilt. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's going to know about, you know, having your, uh, putting your feet right down right under you, which is putting your feet right. down to your center of mass. You know what right. I mean? Like these are all scientific terms, but we put them in a swag or in a, in a jargon or vernacular that under, that they can grab and use very quickly. Communication is the biggest key point and, and the biggest advantage that the elite coaches have. As you get to the highest level of sprinting, you find the most dumbest down things. That's genius. It's the same thing with right. everything in life. When you see a Tesla, it looks like a little round something or other. That bad boy got a lot of technology on it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It, it's, it's about it's, the details. It's, it's, it's really details. about being natural ergonomic, like our iPhones are ergonomic, you know what I'm saying? So right. like the smarter 100%. you get, the more technical you get, the simpler, the simpler things it get. becomes. 100%. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. I love that. So you brought up something I think really, really important, and that's communication at the highest level and speed specifically. Mm -hmm. It's such a skill. Speed really is a skill. Uh, and so yes. we talk a lot about, I mean, there's thousands of scientific papers published on like how to cue internal, external cues, so on and so forth, right? But what I think we yeah. don't talk a lot about is how do you on the athlete end, right? For anybody listening from an athletic or if you're working with your athletes, is there some type of like soft onboarding or something that you would suggest for people to go through to become coachable? Because we all have those coaches, like those athletes, like I've worked with athletes that they just get it. And then other yes. athletes who you got to like dig through analogies and talk about like, who knows, dude, Taco Tuesday or something wild yeah. to get it to click, right? So what would you say for, for any athletes listening on being coachable and how important it is to digest and be present with the information your coaches are sharing? 
I, I think that, uh, I mean, I have a very good story to start that off the conversation. I just started working with uh, some of the best running backs in the country. I work with uh, Footwork King out here in okay. Houston. He's, he's a top footwork guy in the world. Um, but with that, I'm, I'm, I'm exposed to individuals who are trying to make it to the next level and they right. really want to get fast badly. So right. when I'm speaking to them, I'm really noticing them really taking in everything I'm saying. They're watching how I move. They're actually checking right. out my demeanor. Whenever right. I came back from practice, they were telling me small details of things that they were doing on their own after meeting me one day. It's like, yeah, I actually went to the grass field ah. I took, and I took off my shoes because you told me that I could actually feel my feet more. So I took off my shoes and I started doing that thing that you were showing me with your knees in because right. I had a little bit of my knees pointed out. So I, I internally rotated and I just had it to where I started focusing on the up and down action more. And then you told me to relax my groin. So I started doing that. I've been doing that in the mirror in the shower every day. So like, you know, uh, you get what I'm, you see what I mean? Like yeah. they're like that. They're like they're starving. They're locked in, dialed. They're starving. They're starving to get fast. It's like somebody's right. telling me that I can get fast just by doing things. That, that's shocking to them. And that's how I was when I learned about speed okay. and biomechanics. Like when Got I it. learned about track and field and speed, so, you know, people have a misconception that speed is not a skill, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a get birthright or a given or, or a genetic right. medical, you know, situation. I mean, things are more genetically inclined to go for speed. I understand that, but now, and because of science, because of training, because of information, you can get most people to a baseline of fast. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right, right, right. I'll 100%. give you, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. You may not be able to get a horse. I mean, a donkey to win a Kentucky Derby, but I bet you nowadays we can get a donkey to at least compete in it. You know what I'm saying? True. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At least come come <laughs> up like eighth somewhere. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. In the running. It's, it's it's a donkey. In the running. And, and it could, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's comparable. I like that it's comparable. It's comparable. Right. You it's know possible. what I mean? You're not gonna. Yeah. You're not. Everybody's not gonna be bold. But there is a range to where you can get to your fastest, and because of right. science, it's now moved really far. So what I'm saying right. is, with that concept, a lot of athletes who are very passionate about it have a deep need and intrinsic want from it. So the intrinsic want is number one. You ask me what would make right. you want to learn this better would be like you feel some sort of way towards you having to have this information. Right. So most people, it's poverty or lack or, you know, something that's not, you know, you need this for some reason. So if you have a deep why behind whatever this speed, you need to get this speed for, then you're going to start to study and research. If you find the right influence and you find the right, you know, information, and it starts to, I guess, you know, get you to a place where you have a good understanding and it makes real logical sense to you, then right. whenever you're meeting a coach like me, it makes it easier for me to plug and play and say, oh, yeah, you already got your feet like this. You get what I'm saying? Your hips are not in place. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not my center of mass. I'm like, good, you know what I'm saying. Okay. Or, at, or at least if you don't know any of this, you could at least be open to listen, open to be able to learn and be criticized. People who are very um, self-coached or who are over, over analytical individuals Often, and these are good coaches. If you're over analytical, you're a good coach, right. but you're not a good, right. you're not a good, you're not a good athlete. So a lot of people who coach themselves have a habit of stopping the learning by having a preconceived notion. And the best analogy for that would be, you cannot fill a jug that you cannot fill a jar full that's already half filled. I like that. That's deep. That hits though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
no, I, I like that. I like that. You know, that, that makes things really, really simple from an athletic perspective of what you just shared is your coaches are there for a reason. Listen to your coaches, buy in, be present. How bad do you really want it? You want to be great? Let's go. Put in the work. We're here for you and so on. So mm. I think big takeaway yeah. there, just be as present as possible. And if you want it, yeah. go all in for it. Be present, take it in, digest the info, and then do the research on your own. If you're already listening to this podcast, you're already probably locked in cruising and mm -hmm. developing your game, right? But uh, it, it's so important, I think, to be an educated athlete. Again, that's, again, why I, why I launched this, right? Is like, mm -hmm. you've got to really know what's good. If you're going to go to Taco Bell, what, do you, what can you have on the menu? Is it the bean yeah. and cheese burrito or are you having the fried food, right? If you're going to mm -hmm. go train, is it always good to train hard? Like always going hard in the paint? Or mm -hmm. when do you take it off? How do you listen to your coaches? How do you communicate? It's like such critical concepts that I wish I knew that yeah. I was just blind to as, a, as an athlete, completely blind. Um, so yeah, that, that brings me to another thing that you brought up is uh, speed is multidimensional, right? Like speed is multidimensional in its facets and every speed is relative to the sport. I like how you shared that and whatever need is specific. So we know most team sports, you change direction within a 20 yard box. There's a lot of accelerating and cutting. But as we saw DK's 100, like DK has track speed and he's in a big frame. Like that was weight. That was F is equal to mass under acceleration, right? Like force is equal to mass under acceleration. That dude was putting force into the ground for sure. So his track speed, and then also that video that went viral, yeah, has him putting up 22 and a half miles per hour, um, chasing down someone from behind. It's so important and critical to develop track speed, right? So um, I would love to hear your, your thoughts on the limiting factor in speed. You know, when you get an athlete, what is the most common thing that you see that people can work on? to be able to develop speed. So if we're talking more specifically to like just speed in general, like just general speed, uh, I would consider that to be how fast do I run from zero to 40, zero to 60. Um, okay. only, only once you become a sprinter, a true sprinter or, or some sort of a track runner, do you start to go past 60 meters, you know, to, for your speed. Yeah, for sure. So then we start to discuss speed maintenance. So we wouldn't, we really were not going to be talk, talking about too much speed maintenance conversations. But what I've recognized was this, is that it's a very simple concept. I like to make things very simple. Um, is that for you to be able to have a certain amount of speed endurance, you must have a certain amount of foundational speed. Foundational speed is comprised of basically the technical aspects, meaning projection angle, trajectory angles, uh, strength, like your uh, strength to body rate ratio, things of that nature, how mm -hmm. much of your weight can you displace? Um, also, it has to do with the skill portion, which would be how well do you articulate your limbs and are you, you know, cognizant enough to be able to, you know, create all these forces and then land, you know, on a very small surface and then apply some more force right. and, and to be able to align your mechanics and your kinematics correctly. This is a choreographed right. dance. It takes time. So like yeah. the skill portion is the variable. You know what I mean? Okay. But the other, other part is if you have a good coach, that's not a variable. Like he could put you in the right angles. Right. He could get you stronger. He can get the workouts to work with you to, to make it come out of you. Does that make sense? 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, so, so that's kind of how I look at speed. And then like the limita limiting factors are usually in football. I look at it as usually range of motion. Um, range of motion is big because of the way they lift. 
Uh, a lot yeah. of athletes, they don't have the congruency between the style of lifting to what the actual game uh, requires from them. So, okay. you know, I, I see a lot of athletes in college, it's usually mostly in college, are still doing the parallel squatting, which is developing the quad near the knee to where they're limiting the range of motion to where the heel won't go to their glutes. So they, they won't have right. high heel recovery. I can cue it all day. I can sit here and discuss it all day, but if we don't get the range of motion in that action, then that's, that's going to be a limiting factor. So that's what I mean by okay. range of motion. Yeah. Um, as far as like the other limiting factor would be um, energy systems. So I find a lot of athletes don't really recognize that speed endurance and then there's special endurance and there's speed endurance one and two and there's special endurance, you know, one and two. Mm -hmm. So we have to understand like there's different gas tanks. I like to call them for your ability to play fast. So yes, you right. may be in the second, second quarter and you're, you're running a four, four there. But once it gets to the third quarter, you're looking more like a four, six, because you're now not having the gas tank, the energy system ability, because you didn't train for that. Now, people would just mix it up by saying, well, I was doing gassers all offseason, man. I was doing this. That's a different energy system than you're working with. Right. And if you're working with these different, you know, speed endurance, VO2 maxes and just everything. Let's so many different energy systems we could talk about. You know what I mean? Yeah. You yeah, get real sciencey about it, but there's so many areas. I think that's a big lack. The conversation has been too simple. How good are you at pushing? How good are you accelerating? And then how yeah. good are you just being enduring as hell? And I thought, I'm right. going to mash those three pieces together and create a recipe for a hell of an athlete. And it's not that simple. It's, it's a little bit more diverse. And I think the conversation will be energy systems, mechanics, range of motion. Those are the only limiting factors that you see in an athlete, period. Yeah, I like that. It makes it simple. With uh, energy systems in, in my course at University of Hawaii, um, we mm -hmm. spend two months just going over the, the biochemical reactions of the energy systems. And Something I think is really important for uh, a lot of people to realize, the phosphagen system, the first energy system, zero to 15 seconds, that speed system, right, is responsible for helping us recover when we're doing lower intensity bouts of that exercise. So the phosphagen system is what turns on the other systems that you're talking about. Absolutely. Right? So we got to spend time blasting that system, the first one, zero to 15 seconds, wipe it out. So our body compensates by storing more of those phosphates, so energy molecules, currency. So we have more cash to burn, more energy in the tank, and we can do that repeatedly for sure. So I think what, uh, to generalize what you're getting to is bioenergetic. Well, hold on real, real quick. I, I want to hit, I want to hit this one real quick though. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hit and, it. Cause you just hit something really solid. The reason why this is so beneficial, and I don't think people don't think about it and this is science. And then it also is logical. So if you have a gas tank and you're less tired, then you're putting out more premium reps. You're able to hit that trajectory angle deeper and you're able to make sure they're consistent. So right. because of this, you're automatically performing at a higher rate because you're able to put out more consistency. This right. is one of the main reasons why, from a macro perspective, why we're now discussing this at a high level from a you know, sports performance side, you know? Makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, I like what I like about that too is I always talk about this in um, creatine. Creatine is a big like recovery molecule in that system specifically. But mm -hmm. if you if you're able to do a really hard sprint and you have a good gas tank and you recover, that next rep is going to be high quality, just like you said too, right? Absolutely. But think mm -hmm. about that from a macro cycle of three months to a year compared to an Olympic training plan of four years. Every rep is higher quality, 
that performance outcome, in theory, you could assume you're going to be even more elite. You're going to have a bigger adaptation. So it's so important to come correct with the bioenergetics and have that baseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, and I think too, something that I always think about is you have like the chassis of the car, right? You have, if we think about the human as, as like a car, automobile, whatever it is, you have like mm-hmm. the chassis, the framework, the biomechanics, the torque, all this, these goodies rolling. And then you have, have the engine. And I used to think, can you just put the, if you put the biggest, baddest engine on the smallest chassis, you should have the fastest athlete, right? But if you think about that, you're like, mm, well, if I put a crazy like F1 motor on a Prius, that thing's not good. It's going to burn out and so on. The force application is not going to come correct too, right? So I like to use that and think about it. There's an optimal relationship behind the weight of an individual, where the force is placed, where you're putting torque and so on. Yeah. It's a beautiful symphony of, of, of force and relaxation and articulation. It's a beautiful symphony. It's all working synergistically. Yeah, 100%. So I think, Will, with that, it's, I got a, a golden question for you, man. So mm-hmm. if, you could, if you could teach an athlete anything, right? If, if there was one aha moment that's clicked for you in your coaching career, that you've seen at the elite level all the way down to the youth kids that you work with? Like, what is that one thing that you shared with people that just gives them that aha moment, that clicks, that they can all of a sudden understand maybe it's force application, speed, whatever it is. What is that? What's that gem? Um, When they first feel what it feels like to run with momentum behind them. Mm. That's it. That's really it. Once you, once you, and then once they really understand it's not hard to run fast. Yeah. You gotta feel it, be present, be there. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really easy. So like the feeling of speed is the opposite of what it seems. So what people think uh, correlate with the feeling of speed is frequency, uh, a very pop, 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 something like this. Mm -hmm. But actually it's more like, like riding on the escalator, like on uh, when you're going in the airport. And the one that okay. walks and people are walking next right. to you and you're on that and you're walking. Yeah. It looks like you're, okay. you're sliding by them. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're, if you're at the top end of true fast, which is, you know, max velocity, you're hitting 23 miles, 24 miles, something stupid, right? If you're right. doing that kind of speed as a male, then you're covering per step at least almost 10 meters, you know what I'm saying? Or nine yeah. to 10 meters. Right. That's so wild. that's going to, that's going to feel like left, right, left right that's not going to feel like yeah so that's kind of like that's the biggest misconception is speed is frequency when speed is actually more about power it's more about right power yeah it's it's a little bit more patient than what it seems so i think that that's the big aha moment for most athletes is like this ain't as what i thought was fast as i thought it was right right 100 yeah Yeah, top speed power just like it's impulse and velocity at toe off how much Mm -hmm. force can you put into the ground divide by your body weight is going to mm-hmm. basically represent your speed. And that's important too. I think if you get to the sport specific concept, cause then you have ground contact time and change of direction when you're running and cutting, which is the opposite. It's that pitter patter, quick feet. Can you stop on a dime and change it cut um, and developing that too. So how do you, I know you shared that you're working with a, a couple running backs right now. How do you work with, so developing linear speed, but then the importance of deceleration and change of direction as well, adding that next multidimensional, what are your thoughts and coaching philosophy on, on molding the two? So the thing is for us, I, we, I work synergistically with their footwork coach. Okay. Um, and they have, I've worked, they also work with some of the same strength coaches. 
And what we do is, at least from my side of it, is I focus a lot on their adduction and their abduction muscles, you know what I mean? And okay. their hips and the things they actually control their legs. So these, and then also their ankle and their stability and their range of motion in their ankle. So we have like a little, like different things. Like we have that foam pad, we work on their balance to where they're developing ankle and shin strength. And then also mm -hmm. we work on specific stretches at different angles to where they're opening up the mobility in their ankle and their joint to where they're starting to get more range of, also the Achilles tendon a lot of times for these thicker guys are often jammed up or have scar tissue developed around it because they're doing a lot of things cutting in and out. So for them, they have to really start to work on that's that ankle mobility. And that's really, I think where I come in at. And then also whenever you're dealing with linear speed, uh, what I say is what goes straight, usually you can see going backwards as well. And then a lot mm -hmm. of the things that you see going sideways kind of affect what happens going forward as well, because linear right. is never completely linear. You know that. You know what I mean? For There's sure. going to be, yeah. So nothing's perfectly sure. linear or lateral. It's always a meeting in the middle for, for both. Right? Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, having a dynamic ability to have both aspects and then having coaches who appreciate both aspects in the periodization, meaning like when you strategize your footwork and your periodization, you have to take a compensation, how much forces that they're taking in a day, how much, how many contacts they're hitting in a day, these are all right. things that deal in periodization and dealing with athletes because this can really leads up to like possible injuries. This, this is the discussion of put, you know, potential further down the line injuries uh, for pro athletes because we're dealing with pro athletes. So we like to do things in a way to where we can monitor at least what we're doing and then mm -hmm. take a good account for how much trauma is being put to the athlete at, in what specific areas as well. That's more detailed work. That's pros. Critical. Yeah, yeah 100%. So with that, you brought up something really important is injury yeah, and range of motion. Yeah, you said yeah. range of motion wasn't the big limiting factors. And we know that yeah. if the body lacks range of motion to go through a certain movement that's required, we're mm -hmm. going to compensate and find a way to do it. Hence, welcoming the opening the door for injuries to occur because the tissue might not be able to move in that fashion, right? So the classic hamstring, the classic hamstring, sprinting, you see so many people blowing it out. You see people when they open up, uh, let's say a loose ball, a turnover football, you see hamstrings all the time. Like, I think one of the things to think about with the hamstring that's critical is that the glute is the primary extensor of the hips. The hamstring and the low back also help with hip extension. So a lot of times when I see athletes at a big risk of hamstring injury, or they have had hamstring injury, they usually aren't in that anterior tilt position. They're usually not in a neutral pelvis, for excuse me, they are in the anterior position, they usually don't have a neutral pelvis. So they're not getting that full glute activation. So what's the body going to do? Recruit above and below to help the hips drive through. Yeah. So I'm curious with you, what are some, I don't like to say injury prevention, but like injury resilience mechanics and some things, if that makes sense, like what is, what is your approach on protecting the hamstring? Cause I feel like in speed, like that's kind of the one that usually is blown out or the Achilles. Button. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, we have a thing, and if people follow us, if you've been following us for a while, we call it bulletproof in the hamstring. So we have okay. a series of Nordics that we do. We have a series of, um, we have a series of exercises that we do. We also have, uh, once we get done with our running, we do backwards runs to open up our hips and also get the posterior okay. chain to open up a bit. We do a lot of things, you know, as far as like cooling down and then activation. Activation is key, I believe, to have the alignment and then make sure we're firing because a lot of hamstring injuries are caused either by because of misfiring or misalignment 
but usually, you know, mm-hmm. it has to do with reach, you know, reaching and technical issues. We drill really yeah. well. We video record every single rep. So if you're starting to look reachy, I will pretty much tell you in practice, like you're more than likely going to tweak your hamstring in about two to three days. I can see it. And I'll tell you, right. if yeah. you don't fix this, it's going to be on you. You know what I mean? But right. you know, it's on, it's on you now. I give responsibility for my athletes always because life is like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Just to clarify, exactly. Just to clarify that you're reaching, you're meaning overstriding, yeah. For anyone listening, absolutely. When, when, yeah, when you're, yeah, when you're, yeah, when you're going uh, past your center of mass, when you're landing in front of your body, basically. Right. So if you're, if this is your leg, and then you wanted to land, you know, leg to leg, you're landing a little bit in front of it. That makes the strain go to your hamstring. You know. Right. One hundred percent. Yeah. It changes the mm-hmm. the mechanical force along the yeah. leg and puts it mostly in the hamstring. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. And so big fan of nordics are you doing a, a nordic series i'll have to check that out but is it yeah we have a we have a nordic series we, we do the band basically we have a purple band strapped okay. to the top uh the purple band strapped to the shoulders and then we have a smith machine put down to the ground we have a box uh like a step box with like those uh knee those foam pads that you balance the balance foam pads put our knee right. in there and we're coming we're coming down straight down getting to uh, it. i gotcha yeah yeah digging in deep yeah, yeah. it sounds yeah it sounds yeah. like a lot of strength required to go through that. I feel it. I think, I think dynamic, stre- dynamic stretching is key too. You know, dynamic stretching and then doing isotonic, isometric stretching as well. Like we do a lot of different things to where we want to recruit the fibers to come in and then to release. A lot of times what we mm-hmm. find is that sometimes when you're lifting, depending on if it's a, like a certain style of machine or just, it could just be the, the way that you have your knee orientated to, uh, to, your, to your feet or just depending on what's going on, right? You may right. be you may be firing and 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 hitting your hamstring in different locations, and in a different right. way instead of instead of actually being completely linear. We won't figure mm-hmm. it out until we start doing isometric holds to where you're like, dang, hold on, I, this don't feel right. like the others the other side. Yeah, so I'm for gonna, sure. And, and and that's a signal for me as a coach. Say, what are you doing on this side? And that's prevented so much. Um, um, I guess you could say like tendon, like in the back of the knee issues, because we yeah. can see from the way that you're contracting in the gym, how you would actually fold your leg as you high heel recovery yeah. and cycle. These things are very similar. So we look at the gym movements to give us an indicator to the, to the track movements. Yeah. You know, I, I love that. I, um, when I work with athletes that send in their, their videos for biomechanical assessment, whether it's an endurance runner, sprinter, jumper we always go through a foot analysis and a physical therapy assessment. And I call it a brief overall PT assessment, but I want to look at your foot. How's your foot move? Look at your postural alignment, your dynamic movement, single leg squat, pistol squat. Can you touch your toe? All these things as a background to give me this like recipe that then, okay, now let me see you run. And oh, red flag. And we know as coaches, you can pretty much use deductive reasoning for most issues. It's usually one of three to four things. And now you have all this background information from the recipe. You can go, okay, this is probably your limiting factor. We're going to focus on this and improve your capacity. And that's what helps you be an educated coach and an educated athlete to have this information makes it easier to figure out and solve problems. When you're a coach, you're just a glorified problem solver and a, and a, and a fireman. You put out fires. <laughs> I love it. Straight up. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we do every yeah. day. Every day. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Dude. 100% well uh mm-hmm. dude critical man absolutely just riffed you dropped some serious gems is there anything else you want to leave leave people with that want to improve their speed anybody listening 
just once um, get fast, man. Like what's what's good? I mean, if you really want to get fast, you'll find it. I mean, you really will. It's out there. Yeah. And if you really believe in yourself, you'll be able to achieve that speed that you want or that performance you're looking for. It's just really about the work you're willing to put in. I've seen sports performance and the science of sports performance take the level of performance to a level to where the commodity is now becoming very, very open to the population to where everybody can right. get some of this. So, so don't yeah. make an excuse. Go for it if you want it. Yeah. And where can, where can our listeners find you if they want to come say what's good to fast you? Uh, just look me up as university on every single platform, period. Cool. Period. Awesome. Dude, yeah. I appreciate you hopping on, bro. Much love. Uh